Hello, welcome to Ignited Youth. We are happy to see you and hope you enjoy our episode today. Connect with us through Instagram at bvcc.youth. If you would like to submit an anonymous question or have a prayer request, please click on the link in the description. Without further ado, here is today's episode. So last week, we started this new series called The Creed. And we subtitled it, What I Believe. Because what you believe matters a lot. See, the reason why we called it the creed is because the creed is, by its definition, means a formal statement of Christians' beliefs. A set beliefs which aims to guide someone's actions. And I believe that we need to know the things that you believe is their, their convictions of the scripture. I hope that whatever you believe of who God is, is something he revealed you on scripture. Not because someone told you, not because you were told, because you were raised in church and you have this idea of God, but you know who God is based on scripture. That you believe that he can you know, forgive you from your sins, that you believe that God loves you, that you believe that you matter, that you, that, that you believe that he can forgive every sin, past, present, and future, it matters. And last week we started with this first statement, I believe. Because the things that you believe defines you as a follower of Christ. See, we're living in an, in an age where evil is no longer evil. We live in an age where the modern church is more afraid of holiness than sinfulness. Because we're building our faith on passed down faith. Hand me down faith. It's like going to the, to the thrift store and you buying a shirt that's being used. You're, you're structuring your life based on a faith that has been used by your mom, by your dad, by your uncle, by your tia, by your grandparents. No, you need to create your structural faith based on your experience with God. And that's the whole purpose behind this new series, The Creed. We're going to be going through statements which you've heard before, but do you believe? You might know God is around, but do you believe he's here? You know he is, you know, offering all knowing, but do you believe? Knowing may or may not lead you to action. Believe always will. If you believe something, it will lead you to action. Knowledge may, may not. Knowledge, sometimes you know you need to do certain things, yet you never change. But when you believe that you're loved, oh man, it changes everything. If you believe God accepts you, you will come in here no matter what. Instead of running away from Jesus, you will run towards Jesus. Because you believe that he will accept you for who you are. That before you can change, he loves you and he died and he has a plan for you. Believe. Believing matters. And that's what we talked about last week. And I hope that every time we meet, two things can happen. Every time we go through a different statement here in our declaration, we can see two things. One, it can correct error. 
misperception of who you have, an image of who God is or the Holy Spirit or the Bible or the church, it can correct error. It can put you back to a new perspective of what the Bible says. Secondly, I hope that every time we meet, it can form you as a church. You have a balanced life. You can see more clearly. So those are the two things that I pray every time you and I meet here on Sunday nights. These two can happen. Believing, like I said, it matters, and that is the key before any other topic. You have to believe that what God says is the truth. Because Christians that say we shouldn't push our beliefs in other people either don't believe in hell or they don't understand who goes there. Jesus came and imposed his belief into a religious lifestyle. If we think we, all, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't push what I believe into somebody else, then you don't care they're going to go to hell. Because any ideology away from, the, from Christian faith is demonology. Anything away from God of the Bible is false. False teachings, false prophets, anything away from God is an idol. You worship anything other than God the Bible, it's idol worshiping. And if we don't care enough of the people that are around us to say, look, you should believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that he has a plan for you, he loves you, he can redeem you, he can empower you, he can transform your life, then we really don't care if they go to hell or not. See, the gospel is designed to give us a new belief system, not just to modify our old one. Every time we hear creation here in the Bible, it's a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. God wants to give you a new way of believing, not just modify the old one. He doesn't want to give you the same old lifestyle. He wants to make you brand thinking new. But you need to believe that God can do that, even if you've done the worst things possible in your past. You can believe that he can forgive you, that every sin was forgiven on that cross. This is the first step, church. This is the first step in your Christian walk. If you get this down, everything else will make sense. So I want to pray before we start, because the things that we're going to talk about today, I was talking to Isaid, uh, you know, before class, and it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to bring uh, the deity of Christ into something practical, right? There's a theological question, and it's to bring this topic into a Sunday night. Uh, you're pretty tired. You're like, oh, my goodness, he's going to put me to sleep. I promise you I won't. But we'll, we'll, we'll pray that we can get our hearts ready and our mindset for the things we have for tonight. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a loving father that sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. We thank you that you have the Holy Spirit, God, that he gives us a, this change of mind that brings our hearts back to yours into this repentant sense and then guides us in our everyday walk. Lord, I pray that you make this generation a generation that fears, that fears sin 
and that holds on to your promises, knowing that you'll be faithful and committed to the local church so that we can lay our lives down so that others may know who you are. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, guys, we're going to be talking about the deity of Christ. And it's gonna, we're going to answer certain questions or we're going to look at certain scriptures. So if you have your Bibles ready, please get them ready to search through or just write these verses down. Or hopefully we'll have this on audio where you can go back to it later on. But week two, the deity of Christ. In other words, is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus God? And there's nothing more important than answering this question right here. Who is your God? Who do you believe in? Who do you worship? When you die, who do you anticipate you will see? And as we introduce this topic, as we introduce, I have to give you three truths. Because even though there's so much more and in God there's this mystery, so you won't understand everything about God, but you don't have to understand everything about God to believe in God. You don't have to understand every detail on how he's going to work, that knowing that he is working in your life to better you, to prosper you, to put you in a better place than you are right now. There's still a mystery to God's working, and that's always referred in Ephesians 3 that there's mystery that we won't understand that won't be revealed but nevertheless that's why week one is so important that we start off by believing because in the places where you don't understand you ask God help me to believe in my unbelief help me to 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 trust in action that what you say is true. So we'll be in Philippians. It's going to be our passage of tonight. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 11. And this passage will introduce our message of tonight. Philippians 2 5 will introduce and be our main passage because we see this deity of Jesus, who Jesus is, all in this verse. Philippians 2 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. So we see Jesus being very nature God did not consider himself equal with God, something to be used in his own advantage. Rather than he made himself nothing by taking in every nature of a servant, being made in human. So we see God then we see he was made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death at the cross. So we see God, we see human, we see Savior. All in one verse, talking about the presence of Jesus. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him in the highest place by, and gave him the name above all names, that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we see, church, how in this verse is condensed of the deity of Christ, the Trinity. What, what, what the Trinity refers in the New Testament, we see God we see him as human, we see him as savior, and we see him as Lord. All these three names are given to Jesus. 
So the question is, is Jesus God? Yes. Is Jesus Lord? Yes. He is the second member of the Trinity. And again, you will not find this word on the Bible, Trinity. Nevertheless, you will see the Trinity photo, photograph throughout Scripture from the beginning to the end. And it's so important for us to understand this theology of the Trinity because it will define who you are. It will, it will change who you are as a Christian. It will change who you are as a Christ follower. So I'm going to give you three truths really quick before we introduce what part of the class is going to be. So three truths here. My dad used to tell me, as he was teaching me how to study the word, and, and it, was, it was hard for me to understand because I'm pretty stupid. So it was hard for me to understand things. And he would tell me, Jerry, when you don't know what to do, do what you do know what to do. So when you don't know what to do, what are you going to do? Rely on what the Bible says. And there's things that I won't understand, and there's things I can't understand, and I can't explain. But what I do know is what the Word of God says. So we're going to go a lot through the Scripture, hoping this can reveal to you. And the base of Scripture says this. There is only one God. In the Trinity, there is only one God. Deuteronomy 4.35 says, you were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there are no other. Deuteronomy 32.39 says, there is no God besides me. King David in Psalms, he declares, there is only one God. Isaiah says, God said, before me, there is no other was formed, nor shall there be one after me. Jesus in John has this conversation and speaks about the true and only God. So that's referring that if he is trying to, trying to make the crowd understand that there is a true God that's also false gods around us. And that's very true in the Old Testament. We see that in Exodus. We see that in throughout the Old Testament, how every nation that the ch children of God went into the city, there were always God's ideas, religions around the people of God. And that's been since the Old Testament. It was with the new and it is even today. God's people have always been surrounded by religion. Different kinds of gods. And so you need to be very careful, church. You need to be very careful that you are not just trying to be spiritual, but that you're Christian. Don't just be spiritual. If somebody tells you, I'm spiritual, doesn't mean anything. Being spiritual is not having the same faith. If they're just trying to be spiritual, they have to be careful because they might open up their lives to other different things around, other spirits around. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 20 says this, and it shook my mind because it made me understand that when we are teaching people about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, about God, the enemy has mimicked or tried to imitate falsely the Trinity of God. And in, the, in, the, in um, Revelation, we'll see 
how the enemy has tried to mimic God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit through the mark of the beast and other forms of its deity. So, but we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 20 says, but the sacrifice of the pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. This is Paul telling the church. There are so many things that people are doing all around you. Sacrifices. They might look okay. They might look like worship. But be careful because if it's not God of the Bible, they're demons. If they're not preaching the God of the Bible, they're demons. It's a demonology. You have to be very careful that it's not just go to any church because they're spiritual or because they talk about God. What God? Who, who's your God? Always ask questions because that is what 1 Thessalonians says. Test everything and hold fast to what is good. Question everything. Jerry, what are you talking about? Are you saying there's only one God? Yes. That is exactly what, and it has to be scripture-based, backed up by scripture. Question everything you hear about every preacher, every sermon, every song. Question it through the lens of the Trinity. If it violates any member of the Trinity, it's violating scripture. Don't accept it. It doesn't matter who it's coming from. It matters what you believe. The second truth is God, there's only one God. God is also three persons. There's one God, and that one God, there's three persons. Genesis 1, 26 declares in the beginning, it says, Let us make mankind in our image, our likeness, always referring and making a reference always in a plural noun. He is talking in a communal sense. He's talking to someone else. So in the beginning, when God spoke creation, there was the Trinity with him, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It says that it's the Spirit of God dwell over the face of the earth. There is God, only one God, but God has three persons. Isaiah says, to whom shall we send? He is having a conversation with the Trinity. Matthew 3.16, we see all three members of the Trinity in Jesus' baptism. As soon as Jesus was baptized, we have Jesus. He went up out of the water. At the moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descend like a dove on him and a voice from heaven said this is my son whom I love and will please we see Jesus being baptized the Holy Spirit descending like a dove It's not a dove like a dove and then we see the voice of God saying this is my son and I'm so proud of him so we see how the Bible explains they have this different personalities yet they're the same God their characteristics are the same. You see, who God is is the same thing as who Jesus is and is the same thing as the Holy Spirit. We see the Great Commission is 
what we based ourselves as the church. Is the, this, is, this is the commandment of God. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. There's three different people. Not this, it's not just God manifesting himself in three different ways. There's three different identities in one God. And so as we believe this teaching, we go to the third truth of what the Bible teaches, that each person is fully and equally God. Right? So easy to explain. So we got God, three people, but they're the same and they're equal and fully God. Uh, there's no debate. There's no debate, right? When we talk about God, everybody believes in God. Every religion around the world, every idea, every cult, every Christian church, every person that says that they have faith in something, Muslims, they believe in God, a God. So God is not debatable. Everybody believes in a higher force, something. But things start changing when we talk about Jesus being God. Oh, now we got, now it's getting real. Now it's getting where people get uncomfortable. Because here is where it starts defining themselves. God, okay. Because everybody can believe in God. Kanye West can write songs about God. Snoop Dogg can write songs about God. Don't matter. It doesn't matter who we are. God is God. You accept me for God. Jesus being God? Okay. That's where people start having issues. This is where people start having a hard time. And in Hebrews 1, 3 says, the sun is a radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being. Thomas, the disciple, says in John, my Lord, my God. We see in John 1, 1, which is the most famous verse people use to use try to explain the Trinity. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we ask ourselves, then who is the Word? If in the beginning, reference Genesis 1, 1, the Word was with God, then the word was God, then who is the word? Answer, Psst, verse 14. I like it when I get the answers when I'm in the test, right? You're not in the test, but I love it when somebody gives me the answer. I, I like to cheat, sorry. Verse 14, yeah, I know, I, I, I do confess. Uh, the word, verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made himself dwelling among us. We've all seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son that came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is Jesus Christ. So who's the word on John 1.1? 1, 1? Jesus. Guys, I just told you the answer. Verse 14. The word became flesh. The word was with God and the word was God. Then the Holy Spirit is also God. 
He's not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not mystical. He is God. Because a Holy Spirit can be grief. You can make him sad. You can make energy sad. You can be sad when energy is not in your house, but you can't make energy sad. You can't make energy upset, but you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says it. And do not grieve the Spirit of God. When we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't grieve energy or gravity, but you can grieve the Holy You can resist a person. Somebody tries to talk to you, you're like, hey, your breath stinks, right? You can resist them. You can say, hey, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be next to you. Hey, you know what? Leave me alone. Hey, you're a creep, right? I mean, so many things you can say. You can, you can, you can resist someone like you resist the Holy Spirit. Because Acts 7, 51 declares it, says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Peter, in the first church, in Acts 5.3, there is this marriage couple. And the husband, Ananias, says this. It's part of the story. Verse 3, it says, Ananias, how is it that Satan was so filling your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit? It goes on the story. He lied about the property he has sold. Verse 5 says, you did not lie to humans, but to God. So in that same story, it's saying you lied to the Holy Spirit. At the end of the story, it says you didn't lie to humans, you lied to God. It's, it's matching God and the Holy Spirit. And you're like, you're just telling me a bunch of information that I already know. What does this have to do with me? I'm glad you asked. Because everything that you long for in your Christian life, none of them you can obtain away from the Trinity. Let me say that again. Everything that you long for in your Christian life, everything you desire for God to do in your life, it cannot be obtained away from the Trinity. So, my prayer for you tonight is that you can live a Trinitarian life. That's what I've called it, a Trinitarian life. What does that look like? A life that you cannot ignore, that your battle and your struggle is against not flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness, against the spiritual forces, against the heavenly realms. Verse there in Ephesians 6, I love because this is why we're teaching this. Therefore, put the full armor of God so that when that day of evil comes, evil will come. Evil will come to your life. It will knock on your door. Temptation will be there. It will come. But when that day comes, you may able to stand your ground. We want you to be solid. We want you to be firm. We want you to be standing on what's truth. We want you to be standing on what's solid. We want you to be standing on the word of God. If you're standing on this, there is nothing that this world can do that will take you away from the promises of God. Nothing. Because 
David says it in Psalms and he writes it over and over. We want you to be planted like a tree next to the stream. That when the wind comes, nothing can take it away. And it holds fast. We want you to be strong. A Trinitarian life. What I mean with that, church, is that we want you to be ready when evil comes to you. When people come to you with false doctrine, with false beliefs, when people come and tell you that you can live however you want and it doesn't matter, that you can sleep with your boyfriend, sleep with your girlfriend, be a hypocrite out in the world, live sin however you want to, consume whatever you want to, chase your dreams. No, you're here to live for the glory of God, a Trinitarian life. Everything in this world will drive you to worship other things apart from God or the Bible. Live a Trinitarian life. What does that mean? That all your worship, all your prayers, all your service, all your ministry, every relationship, every plan, every dream is filtered by the Spirit to the Son from the Father. That you're submitting yourself, God, help me through your spirit to overcome my temptation. Jesus, I know you'll be with me, and my identity is in God as a child of a king, a Trinitarian life. What does that mean? That means that so many people want to change bad habits. You've been stuck in your habits for years, and you come in here thinking, God, give me the magic pill so I can change my life. You screwed up your life for more than five years, and you want God to change it in two minutes. Doesn't happen. He'll forgive you in a second. Forgiveness and redemption will come in a second. That's what Jesus Christ did. You believe in Jesus Christ, but do you believe in the Holy Spirit? The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Your chains are broken when you believe in the Trinity of Jesus Christ, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Some people say, I'm scared of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you should be. He will change your life and eradicate you. He'll transform you. He'll make you different. You'll glow. He'll give you a new identity. He'll convict you from sin. When you're going to sin, he'll convict you. He'll make you feel so little when you're going to betray the presence of God. But you will never do that if you don't believe that the Holy Spirit is God. A Trinitarian life. It matters. You'll feel stuck in the same sin for years and years and years and never find freedom. When, when I believe that the Bible says that every sin was nailed on the cross. All my addictions were nailed on the cross. You can't tell me God can't set you free. When I've seen myself be delivered from different addictions, you can't tell me God is not powerful. You can't tell me God can't forgive you. You can't tell me God can't transform you. But you have to believe in a Trinitarian life. Don't just believe in God. Everybody does. 
Don't just believe in the Holy Spirit. I want to be this charismatic person and everything is happy and everything is fine. Be concrete when the Bible says Jesus is the only way to the Father. No one comes but through me. You have to confess your sin. You have to repent and be baptized. You can't leave anything out. It's this balanced life. You just can't say it's me and God, everybody else can see themselves out. Because God is communal. He lives in community. He did it since the beginning of creation. And the church was meant to mimic God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. To live a Trinitarian life is being a humble life, a submissive life. We never see Jesus jealous of God. We, I mean, there is never a day that goes by without Jesus being preached and worshipped. And we never see the Holy Spirit coveting. Why does he get his worship? You know who did that? Satan in Isaiah. It says he was cast out of heaven like lightning. Because he wanted the worship. So everything that becomes with jealousy and rivalry is satanic. And we love you too much in this church for you to continue in gossip or for you to continue in rivalry, for you to continue in deceiving each other. It's communal. We want you to be one in unity. We want you to be a family. We want you to find a place where you can be restored in a safe environment. That's what a Trinitarian life is. And it starts with you and it starts with me. There's never rivalry in the Trinity. They always are there to complement each other. We're here as a church. We should be here as a church to complement each other. To see the best in you. Even if we don't have it all together, pray for one another. Deeply pray. Don't just say praying for you. But in your time, get on your knees and cry out in behalf of the person next to you, in front of you, in back of you. Go, man, God, my heart breaks when people are sick, when they're in need. We should be praying for each other. That's a Trinitarian life. A humble one. A complete submissive. I mean, we saw Jesus over and over say, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's there before his crucifixion and says, God, your will be done, not mine. Submissive. That was Jesus. He was submissive. He was led by the Spirit. They work together. Anybody that tries to do things by themselves, alone, separated from God, is not part of what the Bible wants for us to live. If you are alone, is you're an orphan. And God doesn't want you to be an orphan. He says that he adopts you into his family. He wants no one to be alone. And I know that verse is, gets jacked up with like relationships. No, God want, didn't want nobody to be alone. So he wants me to date someone. That's not true. He just doesn't want you to be alone. 
doesn't have nothing to do with dating. We made it that way. Like Corinthians 13, the chapter of love. And we say it in weddings. It has nothing to do with that. It's showing you if you don't know God, you don't know what love is. How can you love someone if you don't know God? Look at the whole context of the ch chapter. Trinitarian means submissive, means humble. You can't do things apart all by yourself. That's not a Christian community. That is not a Trinitarian life. God didn't say, I don't need you, Jesus, because God didn't die on the cross. It was Jesus. And the spirit of God was the one that raised him from the dead. So we all need from each other. We all need from this community. There's things that I can do, you can do. There's things you can do, I can do. And I will never try to do, because I'll suck. I don't like to suck. So I'll do the best that I can and the things God has called me to do, and I'm going to focus on that 100% every day. And I'll move out the way when you're better at me doing something than I am. Hey, please do it. And I will, man, I will back you up 100%. But we will need to help each other, not get in each other's way. I want to do everything because I'm, 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 me, me. God says, no, it's in a community. There is people that are, that are mentioned in the Bible that we have to respect and submit. Like our parents, like our leaders, our church leaders, our pastors. And even though... Our parents and our leaders and our pastors and our church leaders and some churches don't get it all right. We still have to submit. And if they're wrong, open up scripture. Show them they're wrong by scripture. So amazing. You know, my mom used to tell me, he's like, that you never listen because you don't love me. I'm like, mom, I love you. No, you don't because you don't obey me. That was just scripture. She was hating me with scripture all the time. Like, you don't, mind love you. Yeah, shut up. You don't love me, man. You're like, yeah, I do, mind love you. Well, you don't listen to me. I'm like, no, well, I'm sorry. You know, it's scripture. You want to teach your parents something? Go to scripture. Because the Bible, of the, of the, you know, the Bible says, parents, do not make what? Your children grieve. Don't go and make your children stumble. So if your parents are making you stumble, open up the word of God. It's like, mom, dad, guess what? You need to set the example. Dad, you're the priest of the house. Guess what? Do your job. I love you. <laughs> he can't argue with that. But you go disrespectfully. I don't want to listen. I don't want to do. I don't, blah, 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 blah. That is being what? Satanic. Why? Because you're not being submissive. Do it with the authority of the word of God. You come to your pastor, you come to your leaders, and they're off guard. Teach them through the scripture. If not, then you're being divisive. Do it humbly. Do it with love. Do it respectfully. Hey, guess what, church? The Bible says that you should not make anyone less because they're young. I love Jesus as much as you do. Give me a chance. Church, it says that the elders should come and be a model to us young people. I say young because I want to be young. Be a model to me.
show me how to be a dad. Show me how to be a godly woman. Show me how to live a Christian walk. Go with scripture. So my prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And tonight, our heart wants to sing how great you are. Because believing comes through the heart. Knowledge comes through the mind. But when our heart believes that you're great, my situation will not determine how great you are. My limitation won't dictate how great you are. My weakness won't limitate how great you are. Because my heart will always sing because it believes in the word of God that you have adopted me. That my identity is in you. That all my sins are forgiven. That you love me so much that you send your only son to die on that cross for me. And the only way that I can repay you is through obedience and worship. So tonight, I know, God, you're here. I know your son's here, and I know the Holy Spirit is here. Because you're touching our hearts. I pray for our church. I pray for our leaders. I pray for our pastor and his family. I pray for the people that are sick within our church, that you can restore our health, their health, that you can restore their bodies, people that are going through personal issues. I pray through faith in God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you can make way when there's no way, so I pray that if someone is stuck in their life, I pray that you can move mountains, that you can move obstacles. You parted the Red Sea, and you can make way for where we're going, God. You fed your people in the desert. You will supply my every need. I pray that our heart can sing how great you are. That our worship will never stop. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.